Welcome to the You Thought Podcast. We had plenty of live sports last weekend between the Bundesliga, NASCAR, charity golf, and horse racing. But we know you don't want to hear about any of that, so we're going to be talking about the last dance, of course, the MLB's detailed procedural changes to baseball, a cash or trash ranging from QBs with pressure to succeed, and the value of Matthew Stafford's house, which I'm sure you'll be excited about. I'm joined by the usual cast with uh, Lucas, Aiden, Bart, and Wyatt. Um, if you want more of the show, check out Lucas's solo show from last weekend, covering live sports, uh, the Bundesliga, resuming. So check that out. Um, just posted it uh, over the weekend, so definitely check that out. But we're going to transition into our first segment, um, the last word on the last dance. Um, so we, we just uh, all prepared like a one-sentence takeaway on the documentary. Lucas, I'm going to start with you. Um, what's your one sentence takeaway and then elaborate a little bit on it? So I've get, got a bit of a long sentence here, but I'm going to go with, though it was super well done and enjoyable, it was so clear that ESPN and the documentary were really trying hard to make Jordan look like the goat. Like, listen, I it was one of the best sports documentaries I've ever watched. It's so well done. Like, the story it tells is really compelling. The way I think it like pings back and forth between having like that ninety eight season as the framework for what's going on, and then refers back to like little instances of that that are um, seen in past years, and how you get to see the building of the Bulls dynasty and MJ's career through it. All of that fantastically done. That being said, ESPN's like marketing campaign around it too has been like. Well, Jordan's the goat now. Like, like this is proves it once and for all for us. Like the, the lauding of praise on him they did in every after show with Scott Van Pelt and like, just the way in which the documentary was framed, I thought really just sort of is made it seem like oh he's the goat, LeBron isn't, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my overall takeaway. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Bart, you want to elaborate? Yeah. Uh, my takeaway was uh, just uh, like I'm, I'm frightened of Michael Jordan and not in the not in like a man, he would like trash talk the living daylight out of me and I'd be like, you know, humbled to play against some kind of way. But like, uh, I'm terrified that somebody exists who has like that mentality that he has. It's like borderline psychotic. It actually probably is like actually. Um, and it just kind of scared me like how aggressive and just like determined to win and pissed off at everybody he was throughout the whole thing. Yeah, the amount of the amount of things that he made personal were was weird. <laughs> yeah. It was like literally like everything. Me and Wyatt and I were joking around all the time that like yeah, like he'll just some like George Carl or whatever, let's say. He's like, Yeah, he like looked me in the eyes wrong and that's all I needed. It, they, he made yeah. it personal. And yeah. I'm like, what? Come on. Yeah, he didn't say I had dinner. <laughs> oh god. It was over. Yeah. My one sentence takeaway was don't get on Jordan's list. And I think that was my biggest misconception going in was that Jordan was selfish and, you know, self-centered and and wanted to be known for being great. But I I don't think that's true. I think he just genuinely cared so much about winning, like not even concerning himself, but just about the the competition and winning uh, that that's what drove him to be so crazy (laughs) and, you know, be kind of a jerk. It was, it was all in service of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, too, to your point, Lucas, like, they'll they'll say, the director even said on Scott Van Pelt's show that, like, um, Scott Van Pelt was like, is this biased? 
and he was like, well, show me what we didn't cover, which like to their credit, they didn't, they did cover like the gambling problem and like, and like him playing baseball. But yeah, I don't think they ever on the court showed him looking weak or anything though. You know what I mean? Did they? I don't think they did. And like another thing with the whole goat debate, and we'll get into this more in a second, but after the last episode, they did a poll of like, yeah. who do you think's yeah. better at this, LeBron or Michael Jordan? And I'm like, that's yeah. stupid. <laughs> like when it's like, MJ is a better passer than LeBron. Like yeah. that's not true. Yeah. Like yeah. who's had more of an impact? Like in terms of social issues, like like they said MJ. Like that was one of the polling ones. Oh like, well, it doesn't matter if like you say so or not. Like. MJ's whole thing was he was not involved in the social issues. Yeah, it wasn't politics. It wasn't. His they thing. had a whole segment about that in the documentary. Yeah. Well, was the whole it, it Republicans been, buy sneakers too? It might not have been social justice issues. It was just like cultural impact, maybe. Maybe that was a no, question. There were two. Di- I think maybe I'm wrong, but I think they're distinctly remember there being two different ones, like cultural impact oh, and then like yeah. social impact or something like that. And like maybe people must read that or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Because yeah. no, I would, yeah, I would definitely argue. Go ahead, Bart. <laughs> I just wanted to say to, to Lucas's earlier point, um, like they they even like the, the one thing that stuck out to me the most was how they even spun him um, like giving um, like giving the last shot a few times to like John Paxson or Steve Kerr. Like they spun that positively for him. And I was like, you already yeah. know people when they talk about LeBron, they always say like, oh, he, he like, you know, he, he gives <laughs> up true. big, big clutch shots to other teammates. Yeah. But like when when Jordan does it, it's a good thing. Yeah. If LeBron gives it up, he's not big enough for the moment. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, I agree that they tried to show a lot, but I yeah, there was definitely some spin on how they portrayed a few things. I, I thought. Yeah, agreed. Well, and speaking of LeBron and the goat debate, Wyatt, uh, what do you think about the goat debate and how the Last Dance uh, alters the conversation around it? I don't know if this really alters the conversation, at least not for me. Um, as far as the goat debate goes, I don't really have a hot take because I can definitely see the side between MJ and LeBron. I would say as like an individual player, I would take LeBron but you can't argue that MJ has had more of a legacy, a, a better legacy. But I think the the whole documentary <clears throat> kind of proves the point that MJ's, the myth of Michael Jordan is bigger than the player itself and that people love the idea of Michael Jordan, but maybe not the way, maybe not necessarily the player he is. Because like you guys are saying, like they definitely spun things and maybe like, oh, look at Michael. He's so this <laughs> and he's so that. He definitely yeah. like, I think he came into the league at the right time. He was right yeah. out, right after Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and like the Kareem and and all that stuff and the NBA was going up and then of course the start of Nike and all that was going up and I know they kind of go hand in hand as far as like the growth of it but I think that he definitely was in a right point to where maybe if he was ten years too late he wouldn't necessarily be regarded as the same player. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Yeah, like so much. You're right. So much went right. I think under un. I would say undeniably he's the greatest star the game has ever seen and maybe will ever see in terms of all the thing that went right for him media wise and his like apolitical nature, like just really, really helped him out in terms of stardom, obviously the shoot, like dealing, like partnering with Nike before they were even popular, like all that stuff just went right for him, you know, obviously he had a hand in it, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. I think that's a good point, Jared separating you know biggest star debate from the the best player debate uh yeah it's pretty fair like to say that jordan was the biggest star of the nba especially in a a time before social media and all that that he was able to be such an an international force i think is is very telling and i think why it made a good point too about how 
he he seems like such a star and like did a lot of his winning because he peaked at like the exact right time and there were just like a whole lot of combinations of factors like even on court like he came into his prime when bird retired when magic retired when all those guys like were on their way yeah, out yeah. and before i know i know i know what <laughs> the argument against that is um but before like kobe and lebron sort of came into their own and into the league so yes you can say he created that like but yeah so so you're saying that if he played you're saying that he couldn't be like a lebron led team or a Mike, or a kobe led team I think he could, but I think you also see that if he's playing with, like, in the same era as other, like, megastars like that, like, when his first, like, six or seven seasons, when he played with Bird and uh, Magic, like, he didn't win any titles. He beat Magic. He beat Magic in the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once, but then what about 83 through 91? Not necessarily in Magic's prime, per se. Right, but, I mean, I, I don't I don't buy the argument that he's facing, like, not not facing a, as tough competition. Like his he like he beat the Jazz. They were like sixty win teams. They had the second all time leading scorer, first all time in assists. By the way, Wyatt John Stockton. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> put respect on John Stockton. So I'm I'm not really buying that. I think like a lot of people said that he would have thrived in any era. I think. <clears throat> no, I think he would have thrived. I don't think he would have won six titles in any era. I think if he comes into his prime in the eighties or in the. 2000s, I think he still probably gets like two or three titles, but I don't think he gets six. I will say, I do think that they didn't give, they still didn't give enough credit to the guys that he had around him. Yes. As far as like, of course, I mean, I think Dennis Rodman probably got the most credit as far as like a player goes because they were like the defensive force, but definitely Scottie Pippen, I feel like got shafted on this one as far as yeah. um, credit goes. Um, and I, I really, I know Jerry Krause is kind of like the bad guy of it, but I mean, if you really think about it, you don't really have to think about it that hard. He was a great GM. He got mm-hmm. Tony Kukoc, of course, Dennis Rodman. He discovered Phil Jackson. Like, he put together a really good team. Um, and I think that that kind of, other than the first three episodes, I think that kind of got pushed under the rug a little bit. Yeah, it did. Because there were seven other episodes of them talking about Michael Jordan's great, greatest performance and then, of course, the year that they didn't have Michael. They kind of glazed over the, the fact that they won 55 games. Yeah, I mean, that was only two less games than the year before. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they didn't make the same run in the playoffs. They didn't win the title. But still, they were they were a pretty legit team. Yeah. Yeah, and so, to your point, to your point Wyatt, too, real quick, I did want to throw in my, my sentence real quick because I was, I was in love with it, that The Last Dance is the Hobbit film trilogy. If you saw our tweet, you would you would have kind of seen that because of how bloated it was, that it took 10. Te- so think about it. 474 minutes of the Hobbit trailer uh, trilogy, 500 minutes of the MJ, MJ documentary, and I still barely know any of the names of the dwarves in the Hobbit, and I can't name really any players on the 98 team that isn't Jordan, Phil Jackson, Rodman, Kerr, um, Pippen, and then Kukoc was the only new person that I learned about, really. And then, like, I, we learned about some other people, but I don't, I don't remember any of them on the 98 team specifically. Like, we spent so much time on all the other stuff. Um, so I, I just felt like it was super bloated and just give more screen time to, to the other people that we already knew, like Gandalf, Bilbo, Phil Jackson, Michael, you know what I mean? That, I just wanted to put that in. <laughs> I was reading some stuff too. Apparently like Luke Longley, the center on that team was like low key pretty good and like really helped that team, but he got no screen time whatsoever. Cause he didn't agree to be on the documentary. Yeah. So like, they're like, they completely wrote him out of the history. Oh yeah. I was wondering. Which, yeah. 
he scored at some point in like a fairly clutch moment and my reaction was like oh who's that longley <laughs> yeah. because you know he hadn't been a face in the documentary so it's that's definitely yeah um has something to do with yeah. that aiden i got a fi- i got a final question for you does do you think you should add a third person into the goat debate between mj and lebron and if you do think so who do you think it should be I don't think you should add someone to the debate. Um, I, I will throw out a name uh, that, I, that I think could be thrown into the debate, but I do think it it is a debate that belongs uh, between MJ and LeBron at the moment. Yeah. And I think if you're going to pick someone else, you've got to pick someone who wasn't a contemporary of MJ or LeBron. Uh, because I feel like they're pretty unquestionably the best of their eras. And, you know, there's these questions as to whether, you know, Magic Johnson or Larry Bird are contemporaries of MJ or if they're a little before him. But um, I think if I'm going to pick someone, I've got to pick someone from the era before when, you know, the tall dudes dominated. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, Bill Russell and Kareem have, have pretty strong arguments. But I, I'm going with Will in particular. He he dominated. He set iconic records. You know, championships are a bit of a shortcoming for him. Uh, he only had two. Uh, but I think it's it's pretty clear that Wilt was a man amongst boys. Uh, so I, I think yeah. you could conceivably make a case for GOAT or at least top three uh, in the case of Wilt. What, and uh, one, one thing to note about Wilt's uh, stats is that his field goal percentage was often higher than his free throw percentage. He was like a 503 free throw shooter. But one season, his field goal percentage was 68%. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Wilt, the Wilt stats are my favorite thing ever. In um, 1966-67, when he won a title with the Lakers, he averaged 24 points and 21 rebounds a game. And, like, yeah. Yeah. I just can't... In, in the in the postseason, he averaged more rebounds than points, and he averaged 24 points. Like I just, no one will ever do that again. Yeah. That reminds me of the uh, the Dennis Rodman stat that they put up at one point. That was like he had seven games with twenty rebounds and no points, and the next closest what? is two. Really? I, I, I that's thought, crazy. Uh, that's crazy. That also will probably not happen ever again. But yeah. I did. I just. I. Carl Malone probably isn't going to be in a goat conversation, but I kind of didn't really realize how good Carl Malone was. Like, I feel like a lot of players should should model their game after Carl Malone. You know, I feel like maybe he's a little pushing under the rug for being a guy who's the second all time in points. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he looked he looked pretty good out there. Yeah. Plus, he was huge. He was he was a new age player. Why you were saying Carl Malone? I think you meant John Stockton. Yeah, I think, I think we all know that. You know, it's easier. Yeah, exactly. Between those two, you know, great players on the Jazz during that time. Whatever. I, I, Kareem Kareem has a really good case though. Six MVPs, most all time. Yeah. Fifteen all NBA teams. Six rings as well. I mean, obviously, first all time in scoring, and he was he was crazy in college as well. They won the the championship three times in college. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, Kareem was my pick as well. No, Lucas, I, I know. Lucas, I know, is LeBron. Between LeBron, MJ, Bart, who are you in favor of? Uh, like, specifically between LeBron and MJ? Yes. Um, I, like, I, I, I want to cop out and say both. Like, so I, I was talking to Aiden about this the other day. I think it comes down to how you define greatest. I guess, like, generally speaking, I would say LeBron. But I, like, I do think... 
like Jordan is more awe-inspiring, I guess. I'll say that. Um, but I think LeBron is like the more well-rounded and player I would rather play with. Yeah. Aiden? Yeah, I agree with Bart that it depends on your definition of greatness. I think the, the star power leans in uh, MJ's favor. But I think LeBron meant more to whatever team he was on. And if, you know, if you look at the, the Cavs record after he left versus, you know, the Bulls record after MJ left, like they're, they're two very different stories. And I know that doesn't tell at all, uh, but I do think LeBron meant so much to his teams. Wyatt? Steve Kerr. <laughs> the greatest of all time. Cop out. I know. It's the easy answer. I'm going with LeBron. I don't want to sound like the, this is like a millennial podcast where we are only talking about new age guys. But I, I would say well-rounded, I would pick LeBron, especially uh, due to that Cavs point. Jared? Yeah, It is worth noting we are all under the age of 40. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick, I am going to go Michael Jordan, actually. I'm not just because of the championships. I think a knock against Michael Jordan is the longevity, but I, I just think he dominates... I, I'm more impressed by um, what Michael Jordan did, especially in terms of the six championships, than LeBron's like eight straight finals, personally. Um, so I just think he was more dominant for, for the time that he was in. But it's hard to compare them at two different positions, two different kinds of players. Jared, the MJ documentary has brainwashed you. <laughs> it probably has. There's recency bias probably with that for sure. Jeez. As anyway, so these are going to be – by the way, I never said my one sentence. It's – uh. Michael Jordan had some of the worst suits I've ever seen. That's my one sentence. Oh, yeah. But I think that was just par for the course for that era. I don't care what the era was. I saw him in the suit the most, and I hated every single one of them. (laughs) They all looked terrible. I can't can't disagree. Yeah. Who who told him was like, oh, you know what, Michael, that's a good look. Somebody had to say, like, "Maybe maybe we should switch it up a little bit. Yeah. But regardless... Uh, I'm going to go through my final list of the top five biggest L's in the MJ documentary. Some of these may surprise you. I switched it up a little bit from the last one we did. So I'm starting at number five. Larry Bird takes the list because not only did he lose to MJ as a player, but he also lose to MJ as a coach, right? Again, in the, in the Pacers game when Reggie Miller hit the game winner and he wasn't even excited about it. <laughs> yeah. He just sat yeah, I completely there. Completely forgot faced. Larry coached. Completely forgot. Yeah, I actually that. forgot he did too. It was a short stint in uh, Indiana, but he was there, so it counts. Uh, number four, Skip Bayless, who didn't get a single interview this entire thing, even though he's devoted his entire career to building up MJ and knocking down LeBron James. Yeah. yeah. So Skip Bayless didn't get a single interview. Uh, rest in peace to Mr. Bayless there on the MJ doc. Number three is Scott Burrell who pretty much just got dumped on every single time by MJ. <laughs> Whenever his name got brought up, even when his name didn't get bring up, uh, brought up, MJ was like, well, don't tell Scott. Like the, the <laughs> part where he was like, some man can and some man can't. And MJ said, well, don't tell Scott because you'll scare him. So Scott Burrell <laughs> and, of course, the stuff on the plane that we talked about. Uh, number two is that one French guy because I thought that was too good of a moment. He uh, looked for an autograph, got denied, and he pretended he didn't even want it. So... <laughs> What a moment. And of course, number one is Mr. Scotty Pippen, who every time mm. they showed Scotty, it kind of was more about how Scotty screwed up and versus what <laughs> Scotty did right. Like I said earlier, I feel like they didn't give Scotty enough credit as far as like his contributions to the team. Because I, th- I thought when they were doing the episode with Scotty, I was like, this is his chance 
to get the recognition that he deserves. But every time they were like, well, I guess he has a migraine and Scotty couldn't close when MJ was gone and blah, 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 blah. So he takes number one on my list. Yeah. I mean, real quick though, I will say like he didn't help himself by saying I I would still sit on the bench uh, with when that Tony Kukoc shot. No, he didn't. You know, like that, he didn't do himself too many favors. And nothing that they said about Scotty was necessarily untrue when they were like, Mm -hmm. when they happened. It obviously happened. You cannot just not talk about it because it is the MJ doc and that's not the Scotty doc. However, (laughs) I kind of thought that they could have done more to maybe show what he he contributed to the team rather than the first episode of it being Scotty being it. And then everything else going forward was kind of like his shortcomings. Yeah. But those are my top five biggest L's from the documentary. Okay. Good list. Thank you. Bro. Yeah. Um, although I did, I did just want to say I liked how um, how they really like hyped up his attempt to play in that last game in the finals through the injury. Mm-hmm. I thought that yeah. was um, like well deserved. But anyways, okay. So I I will now uh, discuss a quick short story. I'm going to uh, put a temporary stopper on our NBA discussion here. I'm going to transition to the NFL. Uh, and in recent news, for those of you who haven't seen. Uh, Michael Thomas has once again made a claim for the most sensitive player in the NFL. And I wanted to just talk about that for a second. And I don't mean that in a positive, like he's in touch with his emotions type of way. I mean it more like uh, he'll make an argument out of thin air way. So let me just recap what he's done in, in, uh, in the year 2020 here. So after the Vikings lost to the Niners in January, Michael Thomas just went off on Twitter saying, that's what y'all get because uh, the Vikings were the ones who knocked out the Saints completely out of nowhere. Um, nobody was even talking to him. And then later he followed it up with, I don't think anybody got more than one catch. I had seven with a broken hand. I don't want to hear it. Uh, again, just hyping himself up for no reason when nobody was even referring to him. Uh, and I'm sure, like, the, yeah, the Vikings players are not being bad sports about their loss anyway. So anyways, so that was one thing. But then a reporter tweeted at nobody in particular. He said, it's probably a bad look to trash talk the team that just sent you to your couch. And Michael Thomas responded, <laughs> it's the same couch I sat on every week after leading the league in every category week in and week out. So once again, it's like he doesn't know how to respond to people without just like immediately like putting himself on a pedestal. And again, it's like the guy has a point, right? You're out. (laughs) How many catches did you have that week, Michael? Oh, yeah. Anyway, it escalated. (laughs) And he he eventually threatened to pop the reporter in the mouth. So it got kind of ugly. He just like really, really has has an issue with getting angry with people, I think. And then lastly, yesterday, uh, he went off on Devontae Parker on Instagram for for a completely... Um, I I guess out of the blue response, Devontae Parker responded to an Instagram poll that was asking what's tougher to get a catch against Stephen Gilmore, the Patriots cornerback, or break up a pass directed to Michael Thomas. And Stephen Parker, I'm sorry, uh, Devontae Parker, of course, responded catch against Michael Gilmore because he's a wide receiver in the AFC East and he has had to do that many times. He actually knows what that's like. He's never had to defend Michael Thomas. And then Michael Thomas just went off once again. He belittled Devontae Parker a bunch. They went back and forth on Instagram and then it just went quiet. But I just was like, Michael Thomas, literally nobody added you. Nobody even mentioned you. It's like he's scrolling through the comments waiting for somebody to like put up something that's even remotely argumentative and then he'll go off. So... I think Michael Thomas just needs to chill in short. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's my short story for the week. Now let's transition sports once again. This time we're going to go to the MLB. 
Uh, as a regular You Thought listener, you might be getting tired of tuning in, constantly hearing about labor disputes and revenue streams. And admittedly, we were tempted to tackle a labor dispute again within the MLB. But instead, we're going to cover the MLB's 67-page 2020 operations manual for new procedures during the coronavirus pandemic. Jared, let's start with you. Tell us which procedure you think is the smartest, wackiest, or most noteworthy from this manual. Um, yeah, I think the, the one I'm going to talk about is really smart. It's avoiding touching your face while giving signs specifically and pitchers not licking their fingers after pitches. Um, cause I, I, for me, it stood out because they really like considered it's very detailed in terms of like all the ways that somebody could like transmit the virus and like being safe. Cause every year I played baseball, uh, it's going to be hard for them to, to give sides signs. Cause every year I played baseball, the nose meant something. It was either the indicator or like it meant to bunt or something. Um, so that might be difficult for the the managers and base coaches. It's going to be really, I think a lot of pitchers are going to be licking their fingers still, to be honest. I, I think a lot of them are going to forget. Not that they're purposely trying to break the rules, but they're just going to forget. But I thought that the attention to detail and MLB's plan was really impressive. And I'm wondering why the NBA, the NBA is like way more, is much quieter about their procedures than the MLB is, which I think is interesting. Um, so th- that's my takeaway. All right. Thanks for that, Jared. So I'm going to talk about two things which I think are going to change sort of the culture of baseball in like kind of sad ways, just uh, sort of small things that we'll take out of it. One is that no spitting is allowed now <laughs> at all in baseball. And I feel like not that I've ever played in the MLB, but just like from watching on TV and growing up, like people like chewing on sunflower seeds and like spitting sunflower seeds was like such like a fun thing to do on the bench. And that's just completely gone from the game now. Um, as well, which is understandable, obviously, with regulations with coronavirus, and that seems spit and just having that out there. It seems like a super easy way to spread the virus. So again, a smart decision. Um, and the other is no mascots, um, which especially for like you know having the Philly fanatic or Mister Met or like any of those like iconic mascots just adds something to like all of those games, and just having that taken away will make them slightly less fun a little bit worse but i mean having baseball back will be great regardless so even though it sort of loses two small culture things they're both smart they both make sense the fanatic is not an essential employee for a baseball game so i disagree yeah no (laughs) (laughs) no no it's harmless to have mascots what are they going to transmit it to I think there's more than one person that wears a mascot suit. I think that's why they oh, do Oh, that it. is – that suit, I'm sure, is swimming with bacteria. So and, I'm sure uh, it's not yeah, clean in there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, also is, no way uh, that they're not going to spit. There's no way. <laughs> How are they going to enforce that? Oh, I look forward to them like – yeah. Like Just throw them at like the game. TV footage of, yeah, of guys spitting. Um, but yeah, the, the mascots thing, Lucas was one of, one of my takeaways. I, I keep picturing like the Philly fanatic, like sitting on his couch, like longingly watching, you know, whatever Philly's game is on. And it's, it's a pretty sad image I've, I've got to say. Um, but my, um, one of the, the wackiest I thought, and, and also smartest, um, is the traditional pregame exchange of the lineup cards will be scrapped in favor of entering lineups into an app provided by the MLB, uh, according to their operations manual. 
Um, and I just really hope that someone hacks this app. That is 100%. That is all I'm looking for here. You could cause absolute chaos. You could put the pitcher in the cleanup spot. You could re- replace every player in the lineup with Tim Tebow. Like, you could, just, you could do so much here. Fictional characters, like, so many possibilities. Um, it definitely makes sense from a, you know, not, not sharing, um, you know, germs standpoint. Uh, but I really hope someone messes with it. So we'll see. We'll see if my wish is granted. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I just think it's it's crazy how traditional baseball is, though, that they still yeah. do that. But, right, but oh. that's like the yeah, 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 like that's the law is what's written on you know, the lineup card, right? Like it doesn't <laughs> matter what's where else. So that could <laughs> that could mess things up. But anyway, um, moving on to our next segment, we've got uh, our recurring cash or trash. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna go over couple different things and see whether we we believe them we cash them or we trash them we think we think they're trash so starting out bart do you think this will be baker mayfield's last season as a starting qb if the cleveland browns miss the playoffs i think that's a trash i personally trash this i would buy that it will be his it could be his last season with the browns but I okay, so yeah, I mean, I know he regressed a lot last season. He got worse basically in like every relevant category except for yardage, and he had maybe like a hundred more yards than the, his rookie season. But I just I think he's still good enough. I think he's got the talent. I think he just needs the right the right surrounding pieces. Um, but I think if he were to leave, I think he could get a starting gig somewhere else. So I'm I'm gonna trash that. What do you think, Aiden? Yeah, that's fair. I was I'm cashing it. Uh, but that was largely in the context of the of the Browns currently. It depends how bad a season, first of all. Uh, but I do think it's possible the Browns bench him. Um, I can see them turning to Case Keenum, who had a good you know season with the Vikings a couple years ago. Um, or if this season doesn't work out with either Case Keenum or, or Baker, um, I can see them going towards a veteran, you know, a more mature Jameis, for example. Um, but, but yeah, as for whether Baker could become a starter in the future, that's, that's a, that's a larger question. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, our next one up is Russell Wilson underappreciated. And, and the context here is that recently, uh, pro football focus listed Russell Wilson as the 33rd best player of the decade, the fourth best from his own team from the Seahawks. Um, and also to add on to this, there's a report that Seattle was considering trading him for Baker Mayfield back in 2018. So is he underappreciated? Jared, what do you think? I'm going with a cash, but it's a smaller wad of, wad of cash than you think. Because for more context on uh, Pro Football Focus's list of the best players in 2019, Russell Wilson was their third best player and be- better than any other quarterback. Um so I, I think like people are starting to appreciate him, but I think he is still underappreciated and that people don't really consider S- Seattle like a Super Bowl contender, even though they make the playoffs every year, except for one that he's been there, never had a losing season. And he has six Pro Bowls, like, and um, he's getting better each season too in terms of touchdowns and interceptions. So I'm going with a small, a slight cash. But Wyatt, what do you think? I'm also going cash, but I think it's a bigger wad of cash. Uh, I think that he is a legitimate MVP candidate. At least he has been for the last couple of years, even before he signed that big contract. And I I saw another report that kind of, I would say, followed up to the other report of him getting traded. And it says that he's 
he would that the Seahawks would have taken Josh Allen with a number one overall pick, right? Which means that they that somebody somewhere, and I don't think these all these reports are fake, but somebody somewhere said that Josh Allen will be or just as good, if not better, than Russell Wilson, and I don't think that's the case. Plus, yeah. he's also gotten zero MVP votes in his entire career, mm-hmm. so I think that he's incredibly underrated as a player. Okay. Um. All right, Bart, I'm going to throw this one to you. This is Kasher Trust's statement. It's fair to call Mitchell Trubisky a bust given Sam, and give Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield a pass and escape from the mainstream criticism that Trubisky receives. Cash or trash? Uh, I think this is a cash. Um, I do think it's a, it's a small lot of cash, as Jared would say. But <laughs> so I think the, the first thing to note is, uh, is that Sam Darnold is only 22. So he's younger right now than Trubisky was when he came into the league. Um, I guess he's also younger than Baker Mayfield was when he came into the league, but still. So I think for that reason alone, Sam Darnold at least deserves a pass. And like I was saying earlier, I think Baker Mayfield deserves a pass because he still, I think, is looking for the right pieces around him. Mitch Trubisky was on a 12-4 and team uh, two years ago. He regressed heavily. Uh, we've seen that he's just not hes not who they thought he was when they drafted him so high. Um, but I think Baker and, and Sam Darnold still have um, something left to prove. So I, I think that's fair for... For only Mitch to get that criticism. What about you, Jared? I'm going with a big can of trash here, actually. I don't think it's fair. Like, okay, so if you just want to look at historical examples, in Drew Brees' third season, he had more interceptions than touchdowns. And Mitch Trubisky did not do that bad. He was 17 for 10, I believe. He has a better touchdown-to-interception ratio than both of them. Mm -hmm. Baker, like, last year, Baker almost threw more interceptions than touchdowns. And, and like, we don't... He gets more of a pass, I think, than... He should, and um, and he was a number one draft pick. Trubisky is a number two draft pick. Uh, Trubisky is the only pro bowler, and he's the only one that's played in the playoffs. And I, I think that Baker, I don't know about Sam Darnold's case, but Baker has enough weapons around him to win, uh, to be in the playoffs, I think. I think he was the reason they didn't make the playoffs personally because of his carelessness with the ball, for example. But um, That's unfair. Okay. R- really? I, I, I think mean, that's no, unfair on Baker. I mean, Sam Darnold, I feel a little bit differently about Sam Darnold because I thought the hype was a little bit too big for him. But I think that if you if you look at Mitchell Trubisky and the quarterbacks that he jumped in that draft and the way he got drafted, it's very easy to call him a bust and give him more criticism. The Bears traded up to get him, and of course they, they didn't take Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And then um, Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick. And then, of course, he's in a situation very dysfunctional in Cleveland, at least the last couple of years. So this is his, like, this is his third head coach in three years. So I would say from here going forward, is if Baker doesn't have a good year this year, you can kind of look at him a little differently. Okay. Fair enough. Um, we'll move on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to you again, Bart. Any team that wins the NBA championship this year will have an asterisk by its title. Cash or trash? I think that's a pretty heavy trash for me. Um, like, I think back to the lockout season, I don't think anybody puts an asterisk on that Heat title. Um, and I, I mean, I know it's not quite the same thing, but uh, I, I was just thinking about, like, what's the biggest, like, difference that this makes? I mean, players had, like, a, you know, a few months to rest up. But I don't really think, even if the playoffs were to start immediately, I mean, what's the lowest seed to ever win a championship? The six seed Rockets? I don't think anybody would, you know, would question the methodology for picking playoff teams if that were to start now, and then it would probably be like a one or two seed that won it all anyway. So I think this is a trash. What about you, Lucas? Yeah, what do you think? 
I'm with Bart on this one. I think it's a huge dumpster full of trash. <laughs> I think that, like, for a lot of the reasons that Bart mentioned, that, like, it's similar to lockout season, which part of the season becomes abbreviated. You don't really lose that much. I, I think it's, I don't know, it's fine to look at it as is. I think the only people that would be mad is if LeBron won a title, all the MJ stands would be like, it's invalid, it doesn't count. As I've seen in, like, soccer stuff with, like, Liverpool people are like, it doesn't count, it's not a real title if they win it this year, or anti-Liverpool people. So I think it'd be a similar thing among Michael Jordan fans, but I yeah, I don't think there's an asterisk next to it at all. Can I ask one more follow-up question, a different one? What if, like, the Miami... What if what if the Miami Heat win this year? Do you think it'll be kind of invalidated? No. Really? What if like I the can't, Grizzlies? I can't win? see them winning. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, what, I mean are, I, what are the Heat? The three who, seed, the four seed? Like that's not like out of the question of happening I don't know. ever. I mean, but the question. I think it be, might be a little. Or, like, would they not have won if there weren't uh, like an intermission? I don't see any reason why the results should be different. So like, even if the Grizzlies won, I would I would think that's you know that's probably what would have happened anyway. I guess. Yeah, like no player so regresses in like two months that like I think it would make a tangible difference, but okay. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Next, we're going to move up to Detroit Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford. His $6.5 million dollar home just went for sale, Oof. and it's valued correctly. Cash or trash, the evaluation of that home. Jared, I'll start with you. I'm going to go trash, actually. Um the location being in Michigan definitely hurts it. Like if it was in California, this would be way more money. But since it's in Michigan, um, it's it's branded by the way. The title is Michigan's most magnificent estate for the ultimate entertainer, uh, which I think is funny. Um, there's more bathrooms than bedrooms, which is common for like mansions, I guess. But I, I don't know. I think it's weird. Like the people that I think the people that are gonna buy this, especially because it's in Michigan are older people and they're not going to really be attracted to that Detroit Pistons half court or the infinity pool. So I'm, I'm going to trash that it's valued correctly. Aiden. Um, I 100% disagree, Jared. I could, <laughs> I could not disagree more. I've actually put a bid in on the house. <laughs> um, not, I cash this. Um, you know, Jared, you're from the coast, you know? You, you don't appreciate the Midwest, okay? Um, oh. <laughs> says the one from New York. I was about to say, it's quiet, worth noting quiet. Aiden's from the coast. Cut that. Oh. Bart's actually but, the only non-coastal elite here. So. That's pretty I wild. Yeah. Living in Michigan is probably See. not ideal, but anyway. Damn, Bart, yeah. Bart I needed you for this. <laughs> I needed real America on this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But, okay, it has that Pistons basketball court. That's the lakeside view. It has five fireplaces. Oh, my God. It's the largest <laughs> oh, wow. infinity pool in the state. And we all know that Michigan is known for their infinity pools. Um, it's a glass elevator straight out of Willy Wonka. Like, let's go. Um, when I get my rookie contract money, I'm, I'm spending it on that. I don't care where I'm located. Um, but anyway, so so I will in fact cash this one. There's there's nothing Aiden and I love more than a good house sale. Yeah, yeah as seen in this podcast. Yeah. Keep track of all Most, of that stuff. Mostly Philip Rivers's house sales. But, yeah, you know, that was yeah. a big one. You know, Matt Stafford. You know, a, a little bit. Um, <laughs> quick, quick question. Anyway, Why is he selling it? Yeah. He's not going anywhere anytime soon, right? As far as we know, it's I. It's because there apparently there's too much water. And his like he has like very young kids, and so his wife is worried yeah, uh, that, like cover up. about the kids being around the infinity pool slash the lake. And honestly, I don't blame her. She's, his you know, his kids no his kids out. are scapegoats. 
It's a cop. <laughs> he's, out of, he's out of Detroit. He's getting out. Yeah. I saw yeah, a thing tomorrow, though that said yeah. when Tom Brady was selling his home, they're like, "Well, mm-hmm. they it's hard to sell a six point five million dollar home. Mm-hmm. So you, if you put it up, and then it'll probably sell in like three years. So yep. Well, well yep. you know, you gotta let it, you gotta wait it out. In, yeah, he's planning on moving in three years to the Bucks. <laughs> he's gonna succeed Tom when Tom retires in three years. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, okay. Next up, okay. Cash or Trash, a documentary about the Warriors dynasty would be more interesting than The Last Dance. Bart, what do you think? Uh, this this is a cold hard trash for me. Cold hard, straight out of the freezer. Like, I <laughs> I mean, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson as a duo is like a poor man's MJ and Scotty as far as interestingness goes. Um, uh, Draymond is like a poor man's uh, Dennis Rodman as far as interestingness goes. Um, yeah. their like overall accomplishments are just poor man's bulls accomplishments. I mean, they couldn't even get a three peat, let alone two. Um, I don't think it would be more interesting. <laughs> what do you think, Aiden? Yeah, I'm also trashing this. Uh, I agree. They have they have enough egos that it would be an interesting thing to watch between Draymond and KD. Uh, I, I think it would be interesting, but like the last dance was like just as much more about MJ than it was about the Bulls. And like that, it was so interesting, like as a character study. And you, you don't have that with the Warriors. Like no mm-hmm. one is as interested in any of those guys as, as good as they were um, as as they are in MJ. So I don't think it would work as well. Do I think I would watch it? Maybe. I'm not, like, I don't. Yeah, yeah I, I do think I would, I would watch take it. Take a look. But... Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, Lucas, let's start with you. Notre Dame will not play enough games to be eligible for the college football playoff if Power 5 conferences decide to play conference-only schedules. Cash or trash? I'm going to cash that. First, I think, like, I don't know. It's not looking likely that a lot of teams will play full-on football seasons, like especially with the the Pac-12 and with California's state system shutting down for, like, the whole first semester. So, first off, I'm not even sure the season's going to happen. Second, I think they'd really have to scramble to find teams to play. And if nobody's playing their conference schedule, I don't know who they're going to play. So, I'm cashing that this might actually happen. And if they do find teams to play, then I don't think it would be a good enough resume to make the college football playoff. Like, if they have to scramble to play, like, Marshall and Middle Tennessee State, just, like, (laughs) fill games. I don't know. But I'll, I'll cash it for now. Wyatt, what do you think? I think you should put some more respect on Middle Tennessee State's <laughs> name. That's what I think. Uh, a quick disclaimer, I'm the only person on this podcast that didn't go to Notre Dame. So I'm cold hard cashing it, and not because that they're not going to play enough games, because they're not going to make it anyway. I don't care I don't care who they play. I don't care how many games they, they play. They're not making it anyway. Um, throw all the politics aside about whether the season's going to start or not. No way, no how do I see Notre Dame making the playoffs. You can book that. They will not be in the top four. Ian booked that. But if they do play, would, though, they'll probably have a week schedule yeah. because of the whole thing. But whatever. I'll book it. Book I mean, it. Also, did you see? They're already contracted to play the ACC. Like, they're going to play Clemson. If Like, I think, like what the AD said is that we Notre Dame would be a lot of schools plus one if they do a, a conference schedule plus one out of conference. But Yeah, anyway. I could see it. Do you see they're starting their semester August 10th and then ending it November 24th or something like that? Yeah. It's crazy. Not relevant to this podcast at all. But. Yeah, for all the, <laughs> that all the huge yeah, Notre Dame guys you, out there. You, you're going to want to cut yeah. that. 
<laughs> Cut that out. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know this actually existed, uh, but Jared Casher Trash <laughs> creating a hotel room modeled after Michael Jordan's UNC dorm room is a good business idea. Casher Trash. I'm going cold hard trash. Uh, oh. <laughs> if I'm staying in anything reminiscent of a dorm room, I expect it to be free. I, I mean, <laughs> I, the the draws are that there's like posters in there and like a pair of game worn sneakers, but like, I mean, you're probably not taking them with you, are you? Do you want to just like be able to say oh, I slept with Michael Jordan's sneakers? I don't know. I, I just think it's weird. I, I don't like that. Lucas, what do you think? I'm going cold, hard cash it's 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 i don't think it's like i wouldn't stay there like i think it's dumb hero worship but as a business idea people are gonna you know people are gonna flock to see that like like people you don't think skip bayless is gonna stay in like a storm (laughs) room if he has the opportunity to so that reminds me like Think about the fact that, uh, you know, the yellow jackets that his security guys wore, um, they showed it a few times. People like bought replicas of those jackets, even though they wow. literally just say security because they're so tied <laughs> with Michael Jordan. So I totally believe wow. that people would go stay in this hotel room. Yes. Yeah. And you could charge a fortune for it. Like, you know, people would pay like a thousand bucks a night to stay there. Oh, my God. Jared's putting on a yellow jacket right now. Jared, <laughs> did you pay for that? Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Last anyway, before. Oh, go ahead. No, <laughs> I was just going to say, before I get too exposed, I'm going to conclude the episode. Um, um, Wyatt is going to have a solo show coming up this weekend, so um, stay tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter at YouThoughtMedia. That's Y-O-U ThoughtMedia. Subscribe and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy the show as well. Um, And keep tuning in, and we really appreciate the support, and have a good week.